Hello and welcome to the very first Golf Shake podcast. Well, you know, we thought everyone else in golf has a podcast now, so we thought, well, let's join in with them. So we now we're here for the first major championship of the year, the first men's major of the year. The Masters, obviously, a great highlight of the season for us all. Really the beginning of the golf season for most golfers, particularly in the UK, getting back out on the course, playing again. And the, the Masters really is inspiration to get on the range and get on the course in April to kickstart your year in golf. But the Masters is, of course, probably the most iconic of major championships being played at the same venue every year since it began back in 1934. Augusta National obviously is an incredible looking golf course, aesthetically pleasing, made for television in so many ways. And the golf course has delivered so much drama throughout the years. So many great champions, so much history to reflect upon and some great traditions as well. And of course, the green jacket is the ultimate kind of prize in golf in terms of an iconic image of greatness. And the man who claims that on Sunday will have to compete with 94 other players in the field this year. And of course, the famous course itself, which will be blustery this year with some weather conditions forecast to be quite inclement. But this week, I'm Kieran Clark, a writer for Golf Shake, and I'm joined... But by, by, I guess you can call him the face of Golf Shake, the man who you see in all the gear videos, all the equipment reviews. He's the man with the beard. His name is Owen Davis. Hello, Owen. How are you? Hi, Kieran. Uh, I'm very well. Thank you very much. I'm not sure about being called the face of Golf Shake, but I'll, I'll take it while I can. Well, it's, it's better than me being the face of Golf Shake, that's for sure. So well, we you're, you're, far better, <laughs> you're far better ambassador than I am. So, Owen, the Masters, obviously... A great highlight of the year for us all. It's the first major of the season, an event that we watched growing up on television, BBC television back in the day, of course, now it's Sky Sports as well. So many great moments throughout the years. What was the first Masters that you remember watching as a kid? Yeah, I think the first one, and I was I was probably quite old. Uh, I got into golf about 12, so um, I'm 35 now. So I, I remember the Greg Norman uh, Faudo Masters in, in a lot of detail uh, yep. where Faudo hunted Greg down uh, really through the course of the entire round and I found that quite inspirational certainly mm-hmm. Well I think again being an Englishman, seeing an English champion like that coming through and winning was obviously inspirational, I actually have, I'm younger than you but I have fond memories of that championship as well, that tournament when, when Faldo came from behind to overtake Norman, Norman had the great collapse but people kind of forget that Faldo went out there and shot 67 on the final day as well, he put together an incredible run of golf meticulously pulled apart the course and then again and Greg Norman with him but that event stands out to me because I, I always thought as a very small kid that Greg Norman was extremely cool with a big hat, very dashing, very charismatic. And I remember quite vividly how much my father and grandfather hated Nick Faldo. No offence, Sir Nick, if you're listening to this, which I'm sure you're not. But that was a first Masters for many people, obviously, 1996. A great win for, for English golf, for British golf, European golf. And, and for the years since then, there wasn't too much success for players from the continent, from Britain, until Danny Willett, of course, came through and took advantage of Jordan Spieth's collapse last year to win very much similar to Nick Faldo in many respects shooting 67 on the last day they take advantage of a collapse by the tournament favourite at that point so Owen when you look at the Masters and so much so much iconic stuff has happened here and what shots what moments stand out to you over the years watching the Masters yeah I think um, I think there's obviously some recent ones um, the, the one with uh, Bubba Watson in the playoff the shot was absolutely uh, unbelievable yep where he hooked that wedge round the tree and and that will be uh, an iconic shot in goal for 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 decades and decades I think and um certainly that one stands out but um some of the shots uh that Tiger played when he won in 97 um for me uh you know although the the Faldo um Norman uh, battle was 
was my first memory. That was the, the real true inspiration for me to start playing golf right. and taking it very seriously. And just the array of shots and what he was able to do throughout that tournament compared to the rest of the field um, re- really stands out. He was hitting uh, short irons in from places that no one had ever hit it on the golf course before. Mm-hmm. And I remember one towering wedge, um, uh, I think it was at the weekend, maybe on the Saturday into the 15th when the pin was uh, front left. Uh, where everyone else was hitting woods and he hit a wedge into kind of eight foot and uh, that one really really sticks in my mind as as yeah. setting him apart as something that that no one else could achieve in the game at that time and of course that was 20 years ago 1997 and tiger is absent from the field for a second straight year from the masters obviously a shame given the significance of this anniversary being two decades on but i think owen you know Tiger isn't there obviously this week, but ironically, we're almost seeing the legacy of him play out. You know, of all the great young players who were inspired by his success 20 years ago and the major wins that followed. And you know, likes of Rory McIlroy, Jason Day were directly inspired by Tiger. Obviously, a lot of the American players like Spieth and Justin Thomas and so on, those guys came through in that generation as well. So Tiger, even though he's not going to be here this week, I think the legacy of him is actually the great depth of young talent we're seeing internationally who will be competing this week for the Masters. But looking at this week, Owen, obviously the weather forecast has been pretty inclement for a while now at Augusta. The Monday practice round was affected greatly, so the preparations haven't been ideal. Today the weather forecast is also extremely poor. This is Wednesday we're recording this, by the way. And um, tornado warnings coming in, high winds, potential for thunderstorms. So it looks quite possible that the annual par-free contest will be postponed for the first time in history since it began in 1960. And obviously going into tomorrow, the first round, there's winds forecast of 20 to 30 miles per hour throughout the day. It looks worse in the morning into lunchtime, but it could persist into the afternoon. So maybe all starters tomorrow will be affected in some way. And a similar forecast is there on Friday. Now, Owen, you're, you're a very accomplished player, unlike myself. And you look at that golf course on television, how big it is, how undulating it is, the elevation changes there, how fast and, and sloping all the greens are. Just how much would high winds, do you think, complicate matters even further for the field? Well, I think, yeah, it would it would make a massive difference. I think the, th- the thing is with Augusta, although it looks uh, fairly open and fairly wide, and you've obviously got huge greens, when you yep. divide these greens into sections, which in effect they are because of the amount of slope on them, they're actually very small. So as soon as you get these high winds uh, affecting shots uh, and affecting the ball in the air, those targets really do shrink even smaller in size. And, and if you uh, listen to the tour professionals and the guys that have played the Masters over and over again, uh, mm-hmm. They often talk about missing the greens in certain places. And if you miss it in the wrong place, you've literally got no hope whatsoever. So high winds yeah. are going to have a massive impact on uh, players' abilities to hit the ball where they want to on the greens into these fairly small targets uh, and really make uh, scoring very difficult indeed. Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen that in previous years when the weather turned sour. Uh, back in 2007, Zach Johnson won the Masters with an over-par score of plus one. And the year after that, Trevor Immelman won as a surprise winner at Augusta. He won with a final round of 75. And that was how bad the, the weather was that year. Obviously, when the golf course is playing softer and calmer, pl- scores are certainly possible. But all it seems to me, Owen, that Augusta National as a golf course is one of those really... Uh, uh, tantalising courses where it is, the players are almost enticed into being aggressive but yet being aggressive often is their comeuppance and um, we've seen that throughout the years obviously players who are too aggressive end up being caught out by the greens, by the, the water hazards, by the runoffs in the greens and um, it's one of those courses where I think patience is, is an important factor and that will certainly be the case this week so obviously throughout history uh, rookies have not 
te- fa- usually not fared very well at Augusta. Fuzzy Zeller back in 1979 was the last debutante to win the Masters. Jordan Spieth obviously came very close to winning on his debut three years ago when he lost out to Bubba Watson. But given the Owen, given the lack of the kind of inconsistent preparation this week with players not able to play full practice rounds for a couple of the days, and obviously the the wind conditions complicating things even further, and playing probably more into the experienced players' hands. You know, a lot, there's a lot of rookie players in the field this week. Obviously, the likes of Tyrrell Hatton and uh, Tommy Fleetwood from England. Their guys are looking at as being potential contenders, but surely the conditions will make it even harder for those guys who don't have experience of the golf course. Yeah, I totally agree. I think uh, you've got to look to uh, an experienced head uh, and maybe a shot maker this week. I think you, you mentioned rookies, actually, and one of those uh, maybe making the biggest impact is John Rahm, um, the, the the Spaniard who hits yeah, a very absolutely. long way, very, very accomplished. And um, I think I think a lot of people have been looking to him, but he uh, has a reputation for getting hot under the collar, very frustrated, and, and really those conditions uh, are going to play right away from him uh, being in contention this week. So, uh, as you said, I think the, these old heads, the, the guys who are experienced to, to know where to hit it on the greens, where to miss it um, in the wind, uh, are, re- are really going to have a big advantage over the younger guys. Yeah, and it's worth mentioning there with English players, obviously. There's 11 of them in the field this year, which is a record. You go, you go back to the year 2000 and there were only three in the field. That was Sir Nick Faldo, a three-time champion. Lee Weston was the only player in the top 100 in the rankings. And Graham Storm, who was there as an amateur. So since then, we've, we, have, we have eight more players from England in the field this year. Obviously, Danny Willett last year was really the headline story. And what has been kind of a quiet renaissance for English golf in the past couple of years, we mentioned there Tyrrell Hatton and Tommy Fleetwood, who are making a name for themselves now in the United States states as well as being in the, on the European tour. Matt Fitzpatrick of course finished top 10 at Augusta last year uh, picked up a big win in Dubai at the end of last season of course, like, still a young player a guy who has a, a lot of great tools in his game to play well and then of course you have the more experienced heads like Justin Rose who is always a perennial contender at Augusta. You have Lee Westwood who of course came so close to winning last year and would be really one of the sentimental favourites this week and of course, you have uh, Paul Casey and guys like that. So, you know, Owen, as an Englishman looking at all these great English players in the field this year, behind the United States, England is the most represented nation in the field at Augusta. You know, what do you put that down to? Is it investment in, in the English Golf Union? Why are so many good young English players coming through right now, do you think? Well, I think you had... Uh, there's, two, there's two reasons for it, uh, I think. that There was some... Uh, guys that have led the way that have inspired others and certainly made um, you know the path trodden seem a bit easier so the, the mm. likes of Paul Casey and Justin Rose and Luke Donald uh, forging the way over the last uh, 10 or 15 years and Lee Westwood of course uh, have made it seem uh, like it's maybe a little bit easier and, and, and made it obvious what uh, English guys can achieve but I think you, you mentioned the English yeah. Golf Union there and, and what they've done and England golf as they are now Certainly, they've invested very heavily in an elite program for elite players, um, and we're seeing that come to fruition over and over again. And the second mm-hmm. thing is, is the world's got a smaller place. I think um, English guys have been much more willing to travel to America, uh, going mm-hmm. to the university system there, uh, and have really been been trained to be elite athletes. And we're seeing um, all that come to fruition, and, and a whole plethora of players either coming through the England golf route or coming through the American university system. Uh, now coming on tour uh, and being ready to win straight away, which maybe 15 years ago, that really wasn't the case. Yeah, I think we're seeing that as well for not just English players, but uh, European players generally. You know, John Ramagai, who went over to the American college system, came through there, was 
world's top-ranked amateur, an incredible amateur career, has carried it onto his uh, t- tour career so far, really almost winning in his first start last year and being enjoying almost a gradual progression. So the guys seem to be coming on the tour now, you know, prepared to be winners, which is obviously something that perhaps wasn't there in the past. But looking at the field, uh, obviously in, in greater detail, Owen. Obviously, this year, you know, there's so many players coming in here with agendas. You know, Dustin Johnson is world number one, a guy who has been dominating the game in recent weeks. Uh, really turned his career into you know, elevated his career last year, winning the U.S. Open in just incredible fashion after that rules controversy and, and shaking off that uh, banner as being one of the best players not to have a major championship. And really, since then, he's carried that form on, winning his last three starts on the PGA Tour, including two World Golf Championships. He's the first player to actually win all five World Golf Championships in the world. So. An incredible achievement for him right now. He's obviously a, a fantastic game, such a powerful player. But his short irons have improved exponentially over recent months. His, his wedge game is fantastic. It, it's very reminiscent of what Tiger was like 20 years ago in many ways. Long drives, great wedge player. He might not be the best putter on tour, but he's you know he's decent enough at times. So Dustin's coming in here as the tournament favourite, I think rightly so for that reason, given his game. And he's out late tomorrow afternoon. Uh, so Owen, you look at Dustin Johnson. I think I think last year a lot of people have questions about his mentality under pressure. We saw in the past, of course, he had that great collapse at the U.S. Open in 2010 at Pebble Beach. He lost out uh, uh, agonizingly at the U.S. PGA that year. The following year, obviously, he lost the Open Championship to Darren Clark at Royal St George's. But I think this is a different Dustin Johnson now. I think he's he's off the course. His life is settled. He seems more mature. He's a guy who has this incredibly cool demeanour where he, nothing seems to phase him. But I think under pressure, what happened at the US Open last year, with that situation on the back nine there where he wasn't even too sure where he stood, he was able to channel that into a performance and he went on to win the tournament in brilliant fashion last year. And a guy, the guy has become a consistent winner, Owen. And I think you know we, we can't dismiss that. And really... In terms of you know whoever wins the Masters this year, you know we'll have to go through Dustin Johnson surely. And uh, do you think he's the rightful favorite this week? Yeah, I I do. Um, ordinarily, and certainly in the past, I, I certainly wouldn't wouldn't have put him as a favorite, despite his his record in majors and being up there. I think uh, last year was yeah. probably the the first time he really competed, or Augusta, and he was still away behind by the end. So. Um, it, it's a course that doesn't necessarily suit his shape, uh, hitting a fade as he prefers off the tee. But he's so powerful now um, and he is so sure of his own ability and what he can achieve. And, and he's almost just going through a process every tournament um, that I don't think this, he'll, he'll view this tournament as any, other, any different to any other tournament that he's playing at the moment. And I think he'll mm. just go through his process again, um, keep slamming the drives out there 300 plus yards. As you said, his pitching's improved a lot. And, you know, if you're hitting it that far and you're hitting wedges in, you don't need to be a great putter um, to shoot very low numbers because you're putting from within 10 foot quite regularly because you're hitting good wedges in. So it's yeah. hard to see him not not competing this week and not being up there. Uh, and, uh, yeah, absolutely, he's, he's rightly uh, the favourite right now. He's by far and away the best player in the world consistently mm-hmm. at the moment. Yeah, and Dustin will be going out tomorrow evening, our time at 7.03pm, alongside Bubba Watson, a two-time champion, and Jimmy Walker, the winner of the USPGA Championship last August. And of course, really, it's kind of a big free, according to the bookmakers this week, and obviously all the great headlines coming in. You know, Jordan Spieth, of course, has become something of a master specialist. He finished second in his first appearance. Of course, he won it brilliantly with a record-equaling score two years ago, and then last year he had the tournament in his grasp, going on to the back nine of Augusta. It was looking like being a very one-dimensional event. It was going to be a, be a procession on the back nine, seemingly. But then he dropped shots on 10, 11, 
and of course he made a quadruple bogey t- uh, on the 12th hole, the par three, after finding the water twice. You know that first tee shot was a great shock to us all, and then to play the the, the, re- the replayed shot into the water, barely even reaching the water actually from the drop zone, was even more shocking. And that opened the door, of course, for Danny Wilt to come through and take the green jacket. So Owen Spieth this year. He's a guy who's a young player, but he seems very experienced in the way he goes about things. He's very meticulous in how he plans things. Uh, his iron play has improved dramatically on last year, and uh, that's obviously a great asset to have at Augusta National when, like you said earlier, you're trying to hit small portions of very large undulating greens. And obviously his putting is well documented. He's one of the best putters we've ever seen, really, from 15, 20 feet. And he's always going to make good up and downs. He's not the longest off the tee, but he's long enough. And he has a, a real knack for that golf course, seemingly. But of course, when he gets to that 12th tee on Thursday, you know, tomorrow, there will be a lot of... He will realise the weight of the world will be on him at that moment. You know, obviously he's played the whole since then in practice. And he, he, he's played it well, I'm sure. He's a confident character, but when he gets on that tee on, on Thursday, he will realise that everyone will be watching him at that moment. And uh, he has obviously a, a, an agenda to settle with that whole, and indeed the course. But he's still so young. You know, he's only 23 years of age. You know, Obviously, he's a two-time major champion already, and uh, he's well ahead of what most players would ever be at that stage. He's, he's already had a career for most players, a great career for most players. But this year, he's coming in, not necessarily in the best form in recent weeks, but his, um, his record there speaks for itself. And uh, my my point would be perhaps you know with so much from last year on his mind perhaps you know that there's a there's a scar tissue that golfers develop on any golf course they play and obviously this the Masters being the only venue where the course is the same every single year at Augusta National players develop those scar tissues good and bad those memories and they will always play a part in in their mind but Spieth seems to me to be a very strong character Owen um, how do you see him playing this week obviously you know he's he's got all the tools to play well there he's done it consistently over the last three years. But will the weight of trying to seek redemption be too much for him to handle this week? Um, in a word, no. I, I think uh, he is possibly, uh, the, looking from the outside in, the most mentally strong uh, golfer on tour at the moment. Um, I think yep. it is quite amazing. You you just don't putt that well uh, and putt that well from distance over and over and over again if you're not mentally mm-hmm. very strong indeed. And... Um, I think you can see even the way he bounced back after that disappointment on the 12th to to make birdie on the 13th last year. I think you can see how mentally strong he is. And I think almost any other player in the field, I would say, yes, it's really going to make a big impact uh, Mm. on them what happened last year. But I think of all the players you could possibly want that to happen to and be able to bounce back, Spieth is the one. Uh, And I think the other thing with him last year was he wasn't playing well uh, throughout the tournament, and it's a testament to him that, that he got in the yeah. position he did. I think his ball striking was was a bit off all week, and um, it felt like only a matter of time before something like that happened to him. And, and I think in his heart of hearts, he probably will look back and know that he wasn't playing that well. And, and when he's on his game, that sort of thing just won't happen to him. Uh, and, and I think he's mentally strong enough and smart enough to know that. So I, I'm, I'm really expecting him to have a, a great week. He obviously loves the place. His record is is frankly ridiculous around there. Uh, it yep. obviously suits his game, suits his eye, and he's a brilliant putter, as you said. And I think the fact that we've got an iffy weather forecast, uh, a lot of wind, uh, there's going to be a lot of patience, a lot of mental strength required from the players. Um, it's hard to see him not featuring up there again. 
Yeah, I certainly agree with that. And uh, like you said, it's actually worth mentioning from last year, he wasn't playing at his best. His swing looked a little bit off throughout the week, but he still found a way to be in the lead. And that, again, is testament to his ability to score. And I think, you know, there are players who hit the ball further than him. There are players who are better iron players than him. There are indeed players who are better putters than he is on the tour. But there aren't many better scorers. And I think that's particularly this week when the conditions are going to be iffy to say the least challenging, testing, requiring patience. The guy that can score the best will be very hard to beat. And Jordan is certainly playing better. With his, his iron game is by far better than what it was last year. It's even better than what it was when he won the two majors two years ago. So his game is looking fairly strong. Like you say there, he's coming in here for a great record. And uh, I think last year, that one blip on that hole was a, obviously unfortunate, really. It's happened happened at the worst time and hit the, a bad shot. And um, that 12-hole that has often caught out players. But you mentioned the high winds, and a player who, of course, is trying to seek a bit of history this week is Rory McIlroy, who is, is trying to join the greats of the game in winning the career Grand Slam Claiming all four major championships, he's free of free ways there, free legs to the of the four. The Masters is the one that's missing, and he's he's mentioned before that until he wins the Masters every year, this will be the biggest event of his season. He's coming in having not played much competitive golf after that rib injury back in January, but he's come back. He's looked quite good. He was unlucky at the World Match Play. We lost out to Soren Kelson, who played an inspired match against him, and again he, he actually fell at the tournament because of the withdrawal that caused a bit of a, a mess with the round robin format, but. He's come in prepared. He's played 99 holes before this week in practice at Augusta this year. He's coming in, course knowledge is up there. He actually spoke to Jack Nicholas, six-time champion, on Monday evening on the phone. And Jack told him to be patient, realise that in the golf course, you know, you can't be too aggressive at Augusta. That's perhaps tripped Rory up in the past there. Uh, we saw, obviously, six years ago, he had that dramatic collapse uh, around the Amen corner and the 10th hole, of course, uh, when, he, when he had the lead as a young player. But he came back from that to win the US Open two months later. And even last year, he was in the final pairing with Jordan Spieth in the third round, but had a really poor round that took him out of contention. So... He's played consistently better at Augusta year on year. His record's continually improved. Uh, but it seems to be one thing that trips him up all the time. And one of the, the kind of people assess Rory and they say that he can't play in the wind, which I don't necessarily think is true. He has a very high ball fight, but I think he's a good enough player to get round that at the time. He's shown that occasionally in his career. Obviously, a, a soft golf course suits Rory, but it suits most of these players nowadays. And you know, these guys, the, way the, guy, the way the guys play nowadays, hitting the ball so, so long and high, Towering irons, towering drives. You know, the modern game isn't necessarily ideally suited to inclement weather. But Rory's coming in here, Owen. Obviously, you know, he's playing well. His driving is great. You know, when he plays to his best, I still think he is the best player. And if we try and break down all the players' games, you know, Dustin Johnson's obviously got an incredible game right now in great form. If there's one guy that can beat him over four rounds, it's Rory McIlroy, certainly. But if that weight of history, that pressure from within, obviously coming into this week... And with the conditions, how do you see that affecting Rory this week? Yeah, I think I don't like, uh, you know, sometimes when he puts pressure on himself that way, I do wonder whether that's a, that's a good idea. But I, I think maybe that's what the greats of the game do, uh, regardless yeah. of whether we think it's a good idea or not. I think they think about it a different way. So I, I, I do think he will struggle in the wind a bit this week. Um, and I think a more mature Rory will win this event several times. Uh, yeah. I just don't think he's figured out how to play this golf course yet and how to score around here properly. And I think when he does score, it's it's almost despite of himself and it's because of his brilliant ability and talent that he scores. And he's got mm-hmm. to work out how, when he's not playing well, to shoot 70, 71, 72 
and not yeah. 74, 75, 76. So there's no doubt Rory will throw in a couple of 68s this week. He'll do something very good. But his question is whether can he, when he struggles, when he goes off form a little bit, and no one can play scintillating golf in a major round of course as hard as this for 72 holes. How does he deal with those moments of difficulty that are really going to be key for him? Uh, and I'm not quite sure he's figured out how to play here yet. One, you know, one year he will, and he'll win, you know, this tournament two or three times in his career. I'm sure it's just a matter of, uh, you know, if and uh, and you know, sorry, when and not if. So um, it won't be long, but mm. I'm not quite sure this is the week uh, for him. But uh, I'd love to see him prove me wrong. Well, absolutely, it'd be wonderful to see history made this week. But of course, Rory, like you said, there's one of these guys who he's put pressure on himself, and I think you know players can almost want to win the Masters too much. And we can look at players throughout history who that's happened to. Greg Norman, obviously, being the biggest example of that, a guy who was both unlucky at times and also kind of uh, took part in his own downfall, if you like, in 1996, uh, where he almost wanted to win the Masters just too much. And there are great players throughout the years who haven't won at Augusta. You know, Ernie Els, who's playing this week for likely the final time, the last year of his exemption for winning the Open Championship five years ago. He played, he's played in 23 Masters, came so close to winning in 2004 particularly, losing out to Phil Mickelson that year. Obviously there's players from the past like Tom Weiskopf and Tom Kite, Davis Love, even David Duval, guys who have contended you know, really you know, right there to the finish on more than one occasion who just didn't quite get it done. And uh, there are many ghosts to Augusta National and Rory. You know, hopefully as time goes on, perhaps the harder it will get. But I agree with you in, in the sense that the more experienced a player he becomes, Obviously, he has experienced as it is right now. He has had a great career so far. But going forward, obviously, it's a case of, you know, the, 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 more, the more rounds he has under his belt there will certainly stand him in good stead. And he'll be playing this week uh, on Thursday evening at 6.41 our time with Hideto Tanihara from Japan, who plays so well at the match play. And the wonder kid, John Ram, who's coming in here feeling very confident after a wonderful season so far, a very powerful player. Really, he's, he's already, we've already found the successor to Sergio Garcia as the number one Spanish player in the world. And I have to say, you know, Thomas Bjorn right now, as a Ryder Cup captain for Europe, he must be going to his bed every single night absolutely delighted with the situation with all these great young players coming through like Hatton like Fitzpatrick Fleetwood John Ram all these young players playing well his team for next year at the Golf National looks very good but Owen looking back to the Masters now and obviously we've mentioned Dustin Johnson and Jordan Spieth and Rory McIlroy being the three main favourites but who are the players you see outside that who could potentially come through and take the green jacket this week yeah I mean uh, my personal pick is uh, Louis Oosthuizen um, I, I think he, he likes the place. He's obviously got a good record. He's very, very unlucky indeed uh, not yeah. to claim the green jacket uh, against Bubba Watson. It was only that miracle shot from, from Bubba, who actually struggled in the playoff quite badly, uh, that, that uh, saw him through. So I think, you know, with the conditions, the way the, the weather's going to be, I think it really does suit a, a great ball striker and a great swinger of the golf club. And there's almost no better out there than Louis Eustazen. Um I think... You know he tends to plod along, uh, and you forget about him a bit, and then he crops up and and wins a major or or competes for one. And I, I just quite fancy him this week. I, th- I think he's a really really strong uh, contender, uh, certainly. Um, and then the other one I, I would say is uh, I, I quite like Lee Westwood's chances. Um, mm-hmm. He's got not many left at all, uh, no doubt. He he's getting on in years, and his chipping and putting isn't isn't the best, but he knows how to play this golf course. Uh, he really yeah. does, and he, know how, he knows how to compete. And the fact that the weather is iffy, the fact it's going to really blow quite hard on Thursday and Friday, uh, he's still one of the best ball strikers in the world. 
uh, and he's still one of the, certainly the best iron players, if not the best iron player. And uh, I really think it's made for him this week. Uh, I th- the thing is with uh, Lee is that he seems to need almost need a major to be given to him rather than going out and win one, winning one. And this could be the one if he hangs around that leaderboard long enough this week. I, I think he could come out on top. Yeah, and again, looking at the conditions, which obviously we're, t- we're coming back to all the time, but it is going to be really the defining factor, I think, of the first couple of days. Certainly, the weather forecast is to improve over the weekend, so scoring will be very difficult Thursday, Friday. It'll be a case of trying to, trying to survive, and players will come unstuck all over the place. But do you think you know the, the conditions being what they are expected to be, does that bring more players into the equation or less, do you think? I don't think it necessarily brings more players into the equation. I think it brings names that you wouldn't expect into the into the equation. I think when yeah. when the Masters plays uh, fairly easy, uh, it never plays easy, but when it plays, uh, as you would expect, with little wins, soft greens, you tend to see the very best players in the world come to the top. And you would expect one yeah. of the big three, four, five players to win at that point, the way they're playing and the way they're dominating mm-hmm. the game. But as soon as you get some iffy conditions, um, you know, hopefully the sides of the draw, your tee times won't matter too much, uh, although they don't really have sides and they tee off all through the day. Uh, hopefully yeah. that won't matter too much and the weather's consistent through the day, but it does look to be consistently bad. And I think you will see um, some surprising names crop up on the leaderboard, uh, certainly after 36 holes. And I think, I think that is what, that's what will happen uh, this time around. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with that. And uh, looking at the, the event itself, obviously there's so many great players coming through, playing well at the moment, but obviously those conditions will be the real kind of spanner in the works, potentially. So um, obviously that's a, we're coming to the end now of our podcast, uh, our first podcast of the Golf Shake. Uh, obviously it's kind of a, a debut effort for us, something we're trying, we're trying to try and do more into the future, try and bring different guests on, talk about different topics, try and talk about trying to improve your games as regular golfers. Obviously the Masters is really the beginning of the golf season for us in the UK. Hopefully that will mean that you'll come on to the... This will inspire you to start playing golf this year and we'll try and improve your games throughout the year on the podcast and with our score tracker and tips and so on, try and bring it all in together and trying to create a, a good, solid podcast for regular golfers. But the Masters is, of course, one of the great highlights of the season for all of us. It's a great week of the year, a great tournament, so much history, so much tradition. Uh, some great moments have happened here and we can certainly expect some more to happen in future. It has, it's going to be a, a quite unpredictable week with the weather. But one that certainly will be whoever wins the Masters this year will be someone who has certainly justified the that achievement because it will be a tough uh, proposition for anyone to handle. Uh, obviously, Dustin is the favourite. Jordan Spieth is right there behind him, and Rory, of course, is trying to chase history. They're the big three this week, but obviously, there are so many players who are capable of coming through and taking the title from them. So, everyone, thank you very much for listening to the show this week, the first podcast. Hope you enjoyed it, and we hope you'll enjoy uh, join us next time. And enjoy the Masters. Thank you very much. Cheers.